Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, July 21st starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back for Oh What a Week, a friend of the working man, a friend of the people of Chicago. Ben's talking to Dixon Romeo. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. And if you want more from Ben Jarofsky, it's there too. Just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-B as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Move Out of Chicago Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's over a week where I run through the week's news. And by the way, definition of news is pretty wide if you've been listening to this show. It's pretty much anything my guests and I want to talk about. Uh, the great Dixon Romeo is standing by, community organizer extraordinaire, uh, to talk about the week's news. But I'm going to start with this. And a shout-out, listener Frank. God bless you. Keep me up to date on Twitter because everybody knows if you want to keep something hidden from Ben, put it on Twitter uh, And because I don't follow it. But God bless my listeners who do. And then they send me these tweets. So uh, Cam Buckner, a good friend of the show, comes on. State Representative Cam Buckner ran for mayor uh, in uh, the last go around. Uh, did a tweet, a series of tweets today. And uh, I kind of like he. I was I'm feeling these tweets from Cam Buckner. So shout out to you, Cam Buckner. I'm going to bring you back on the show because I know you're going to want to talk about the Northwestern hazing situation, if nothing else, because he went to the University of Illinois. And I'm sure he has a lot to say about what's going on in Northwestern. But Cam Buckner is talking about in this series of tweets. It's like the media hate stories towards Chicago. And we've talked about some of these individual stories in various episodes, but he like put them together. I got to credit like an investigative report. Okay, Cam, but do a little investigative reporting there, putting stuff together. Remember something that happened on Monday and then calling it up on Wednesday and then Thursday. That's the start of being a good investigative reporter. Cam Buckner goes, you know, Ben, I'm not just a state rep. I could do your job. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, so the series of tweets, and it's hard for me to read these tweets. Here we go. I finally can read them. Uh, some, here's, this is Cam Buckner, I'm quoting. Some Chicago media outlets are pursuing some very interesting angles. Just a few weeks ago, a TV news station reported that a north side neighborhood that existed since the 1850s was destroyed by Chicago teens. Yes, indeed. We, talk, we talked about that. Channel 9 News. That's the WGN Channel 9 News at noon. It's for old scared baby boomers. I'm scared. And they go, like, crime in Lakeview. Lakeview has fallen. The destruction of Lakeview. It was about, like, I, you know, we got into this. It's like, so when teenagers uh, gathering after uh, the Pride Parade, uh, 
run up and down the street, jump on cars and yell and scream. That's dangerous assault. But when Cub fans, jubilant Cub fans, pour out of Wrigley Field, jump on cars, run it down, jump on the street, that's celebrants happy. Let's go live to Addison Clark. So it's just like a little different kind of contrast there. Uh, and uh, then there was a story uh, that he cites a weekly. Uh, this week, a local daily reported a sensational story about unspecified and nondescript crime and the Bulls and Blackhawks running a business out of town. I read that it was a restaurant moving out of town. Uh, he's saying crime is running them out of town. Restaurants come and go in the city of Chicago all the time. It's been happening for as long as I can remember all kinds of reasons. Uh, and but this is like to make your leaving of Chicago part of like this larger problem that the city is facing. That it's just you have to leave. That's a little unfair. And this is the one uh, that just had me la- laughing out loud. The other local daily that would be the Chicago Tribune opined yesterday on how hard it is to find a decent sized home in Chicago for under one million dollars. And that a tax on real estate transaction over that threshold would send Chicago's pack. Chicagoans packing. All right, let's pour it. They're talking about uh, imposing a, a real estate tax on the sale of homes over a million dollars so that you could use that money to build affordable housing because obviously Chicago is becoming a more and more expensive city to live in. There's a dearth of affordable housing. Uh, and if you want to keep some semblance of economic integration in the city of Chicago, you need to build more affordable housing. All right. And so this is one idea. Uh, to uh, slap a tax on uh, expensive properties. So the Tribune's like, this is very dangerous. This is very unfair to the middle class. It's always funny. They always got to like make sure that it's aimed at the middle class, you know, because <laughs> you don't want to look like they're sticking up for rich people, like the middle class. We're looking out for the middle class, like the Tribune's ever looked out for the middle class. But here's the thing. The last sentence is a classic trope. It goes, if this tax is imposed, it will send people packing, meaning they'll leave Chicago. That's a, that's a classic Republican talking point. People are leaving Chicago. The taxes are causing people to leave Chicago. And I'm like, hello, Tribune. It's a tax on the sale of real estate. The people who, <laughs> they're already leaving Chicago. Tribune's like, huh? Wait, hold on. What? They're leaving. It's a sale on a transaction. They've already made the decision to leave Chicago. Your trope doesn't really work here. And like, if they sell the house, that means somebody's moving into Chicago. Did you ever think of that? It's like someone's leaving, but someone's entering. So it's like a balance. Tribune, go back and refigure that one. Did any editors like read these things and like go? There's no logic to this editor. I know you want to make a point. I know what you you hate taxes for some bizarre, twisted. I don't know. I want to be Milt Friedman reason. Uh, you know, you think government can run without taxes, but the reality is if someone's selling their house, they're already leaving Chicago. It doesn't fit your narrative. So if you want to have a narrative, even if it's fake, at least look for something that fits the narrative. All right. That's uh, me on that subject. Thank you very much, Cam Buckner, for that tweet. And now Dixon Romeo, I bring him on the show, community activist. And, and, and Dixon, first of all, welcome back, Cotter. Welcome to the show again. This is like your fifth or sixth appearance on the show. Thanks, Ben. I'm just I'm trying to just make some space. You kind of you had a lot. You're getting a lot off your chest. I just want to acknowledge that and hold some space for you right now before we get into anything. Are you you good, man? I'm always good. You know, it's funny when I uh, 
begin the show with uh, what I think are reasoned, thoughtful uh, expositions on the world as this today. My guests are usually kind of scared for me because I tend to get all red in the face. And you should see me a bowling, like if things aren't going. <laughs> uh, you should see me watch a Bulls game. <laughs> Uh, so I'm okay. I just uh, I tend to get a little emotional from time to time. I take blood pressure pills, everybody. I'm all right. I'll, 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 I will live. Uh, so, Dixon, your whole life as, as an organizer uh, is dedicated essentially to uh, making Chicago a more affordable city to preserve some balance of economic integration uh, in the city of Chicago, to keep Chicago from just <laughs> becoming a giant Wicker Park, where only the wealthy uh, could live. Um, I assume before we get into the uh, the topic on your mind, uh, no, sure. whatever week, whatever week it is, you're uh, into uh, what the, the the impact of the Obama Center on the South Side neighborhood that you live in, work in, and grew up in. But I have to believe you, you're like in essential disagreement with the theory that imposing a tax on the wealthiest uh, properties in the city of Chicago will cause people to leave Chicago simply because if they're selling their property, they're already leaving Chicago. Your thoughts. Well, yeah. So, you know, it's funny, Ben, we didn't, this, we're not me. We, the group I'm a part of, we're, we're a part of the bring Chicago home coalition. So yeah, we think that, that the tax is a good thing. We do. We, we need a dedicated revenue source for homelessness. People who can afford million dollar homes aren't middle class. The tax would only apply to like four percent of sales total. Um, we're talking really, really big buildings. We're not talking about little, you know, very, very, very few homes this will even apply to. If they do, they're they're over a million dollars. Yeah. And by the way, if gentrification continues, one day it'll apply to a lot of homes, which is kind of a scary thought, because then truly Chicago will be an affordable city. Uh, which is what you're battling right now, correct? Well, yeah, well, we're we're going to make sure that that never happens. And also the market will probably crash before it gets there anyway. But then the same people who crashed, it'll make a lot of money shorting, you know, <laughs> shorting it. But yeah, like we're fighting to make sure that um, folks across the city um, have a place to stay, right? Like I think we often think there's like a small percentage of folks dealing with these housing problems. But it's it's a it's a large percentage of folks right um, across the city who need support right like housing is just becoming unaffordable well it's being made unaffordable it's not just a natural phenomenon right there are forces that are driving it right um, forces that want to make money but it's becoming unaffordable across the city. All right. Well, let's uh, move into uh, a first topic of conversation, and that would be uh, the uh, community benefit agreement uh, that uh, you've been trying to get the city and the University of Chicago and the Obama Center uh, to all to agree on and uh, would have, I don't know, a cushion effect on people who live in South Shore, Woodlawn, et cetera, and so forth, neighborhoods, uh, gr- most greatest effect, uh, greatly affected by the Obama Center and well, just the rising cost of homes in the area. So give us the update. Yeah, so the originally, like you said, Ben, we were trying to get a, the coalition was trying to get a CBA between the city foundation and the university, um, but kind of pivoted from that in the last five, six years um, and really focused on making sure that the city is doing everything it can in regards to housing to make sure folks don't get displaced, right? There was an ordinance that was one, 2020 at Woodlawn. 
Um, and now we're fighting for an ordinance uh, that's going to get introduced in city council ASAP. <laughs> my hope, uh, hopefully, ideally, I think September, um, where, you know, there will be protections in place for South Shore, but also ensuring that there's some deeply affordable housing built on the lots that the city owns and, you know, promise to the community in 2020, uh, <clears throat> in particular, 63rd and Blackstone to be deeply, deeply, deeply affordable. Um, so yeah, we had a summit maybe in the last month, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we had about over 300 folks from the from South Shore Woodlawn come together, South Street United Methodist Church. You know, we had all the women, Jeanette Taylor. We had all the person, Alderman Desmond Yancey, who I think was on your show a couple of days ago, um, you know, voicing their support. Um, and then just recently we had, um, you know, a lot of coalition members were at the mayoral, mayoral budget town halls, right? Telling, telling the mayor, telling all the commissioners and stuff how important this is to them. So uh, I think we get, we're getting some movement, I think. And hopefully, you know, we know Brandon's better. So hopefully uh, it happens soon. It happens soon. Do you, do you, the, on Tuesday, uh, the Chicago City Council, on the Wednesday, I've lost track of time, uh, had a, uh, a vote against a police settlement. We talked about this a lot yesterday in the show. Uh, 26 to 22 was the margin. Uh, this has been a, uh, was a, the uh, Corporation Council was advising them uh, to offer a settlement of $2 million in a wrongful death case uh, where a young man was shot by Chicago police officers. Uh, and the City Council voted no. Hmm. Uh, and the argument was that uh, the allegation was that the, the young man had a gun and so that the city should not in, in any way uh, reward. That's the word they used. Uh, somebody who had a gun or the family of someone he's dead now who had a hmm. gun. Uh, and uh, so there, it would send a bad message out. The point I'm making is that there was 26 no votes. It was a very interesting group of aldermen who voted no uh, on that deal uh, on the message that uh, on the the fact that they didn't want to send a message about um, rewarding crime uh, and included uh, white aldermen from the northwest side and the southwest sides of Chicago that are traditionally more conservative but it concluded uh, black aldermen from the west side of Chicago Walter Burnett, Jason Urban, Chris Taliaferro. It included uh, black aldermen from the south side of Chicago, Gregory Mitchell, uh, Anthony Beal, uh, Derek Curtis. I'm doing all this off the top of my head. And I am impressed that I am doing this. And it included, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Dixon's impressed, like, damn, this guy's good. Uh, and it included uh, uh, Hispanic aldermen from the northwest side and southwest side of Chicago. So this is a lean-in. Uh, do you think that this is like a working conservative coalition that will move against Mayor Johnson uh, and community groups like yours on some of the more progressive legislation like the CBA? I don't think so. I think that. Um, I think that wrongful and I don't know uh, which I think. Well, no, no, this is was this was this a uh, uh, starts with uh, Darius Cole. Yes. Yep. 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 So I don't know the full details of what happened, but, you know, my sense is that, you know, we have safety is like one of the core components of like what folks need. And I think we know that, right, like under capitalism, under a system where you have police and then prisons, right, like people aren't going to be truly safe. And so a lot of folks are looking for responses and ways to feel empowered, 
by their lack of safety or how do you impose power on others to make you feel safe? And I think that that combinate, like because of that, you know, different communities, whether they're greatly affected by this lack of safety or not, right, have different or similar responses. And I think this vote isn't like an indication, I, I hope not, right, of like of some kind of conservative caucus. I imagine it's probably, you know, different aldermen responded to, different folks responded to what they perceive to be safety, right? Like, so to your point, if we feel like it's okay for the police to kill people, you know, I'm not saying that this is what the older people said. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not what I agree with, but if we're saying that it's okay for the police to kill people, whether, you know, regardless of what they have on them or not, right? Um, that is a narrative that is important to folks who may feel that, um, quote unquote, pe individuals are the problem or the reason we have uh, poverty and crime in the city and not systemic issues, right? Like that may appeal to me uh, and those people vote. And so that could be what that is. Um, my sense is like, you know, we, we need to do things to make families and communities whole, right? On the front end and the back end. Um, and so as much as um, I believe that the, the city should have given, you know, this, this family uh, this money. I also know it doesn't bring uh, this this man back. Um, and so, what what kind of system do we live in where we can take life but not give it back? I don't know. That that's kind of my thought. I didn't mean to get a, I didn't mean to get uh, esoteric on you, Ben, but that's kind of how I look at it. No. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I struggle with this. Well, there's a lot of issues that are uh, that you raised there, but going back to the political uh, fallout of this. My sense is this was like a, a very specific vote mm -hmm. that this uh, that's isolated from, let's say, larger uh, other issues like mm -hmm. CPA, like attacks on the sale of expensive uh, housing, you know, mm -hmm. like a treatment to trauma program, mm -hmm. uh, other issues that uh, Mayor Johnson and the progressives are advancing the Chicago City Council. This is an isolated vote. Uh, having to do with like uh, a very volatile issue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and the notion that police would be quote unquote punished uh, for protecting themselves. Uh, it's just not something that 26 aldermen could vote for. Mm -hmm. Now we could argue that they're misguided we could mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. justice was not done, but the political reality is that 26 of them said, no, this is a line we're not going to cross right. on this one issue. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that all 26 of these people, it doesn't mean that Gregory Mitchell is going to turn around and vote against the CBA. Gregory <laughs> it's his war, by the way, seventh ward alderman, literally right down the street uh, from the Obama center uh, and would be impacted. Uh, by this. So uh, I I get what you're saying. I'm not even sure I would have voted uh, for this. I may have thought, I mean, from a criminal justice standpoint, what's fair to the family, you might go, you know what? This isn't fair. To you. you could make the argument that the two million wasn't fair. So let him go to let it go to court. You follow what I'm saying? Let, let them oh, like, get more like, like, the, like the two million is too small. Right. right yes, right, exactly. Right. You can make that argument, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that's why I'm saying I don't know if this is an exact. Uh, this is this is we replicate this this 26 coalition of 26. I'm not certain it will be re replicated on other issues. No, I don't think so. Either. 
Yeah. But it's something to watch. It is. It's it done is. once. It can be done again. Uh, I'm just warning you out there, lefties. You go to sleep on these guys. Uh, it's <laughs> not like the other side sleeping. And they uh, they got their editorial in the Tribune today. So <laughs> they're working it. Just saying. So um, there have been references, just so we know, just make this clear. Uh, you think there's widespread support uh, on the south side of Chicago, the neighborhoods just south of Hyde Park uh, for a community benefit agreement, correct? So we had a referendum on the ballot in March um, in 12 precincts in the fifth ward, 88% folks voted in favor and some precincts in Woodlawn, like I think 92% of folks voted in favor. Um, so, you know, some, pre some of those precincts were pretty high, um, where it was like 97%, right? So we only had like seven people, eight people vote no out of, you know, hundreds of folks. So it was, it was I think I would, I would say, yeah, it's overwhelmingly supportive. And like in that referendum, we put very clear language around like, we didn't shy away from saying affordable housing, public housing, right? 100% based on income, right? Like, all the words in there, the things that make it, we said the, because of the Obama Center, right? We said a community benefits agreement, like they were all laid out. If you were opposed to it, you would have seen it and said, oh, no, I, I don't like this and said no. And folks didn't, right? Even in, uh, you know, in the former administration, we often got told, well, folks in the Highlands, this and that, you know, homeowners don't want this. Even the precinct with the majority owner is 75% folks voted in favor of it. So, yeah, it's very... Um, Folks are really clear on the fact, like, you know, our neighborhoods have had housing issues prior to um, the Obama Center, but that the center itself is a speculative force, right? He's one of the, the president, former president is one of the most photographed history in the history of the world, right? Um, and is going to draw a whole bunch of uh, folks from the city, but also across the country, across the world um, to the center. And, and because of that, there are people who are going to speculate on property um, and we're going to see dramatic uh, price increases, right? Um, that get reflected in property taxes, but also through folks' rent um, and expenses and cost of build. So uh, folks are really clear that that is driving that. Um, folks are starting to see changes and we want to make sure that we're around to 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 benefit from the center. Yeah, so that uh, what happened, let's say, in uh, Wicker Park or Logan Square, et cetera, uh, does not happen on these communities uh, in and around the Obama Center. Exactly. Uh, all right, um, so uh, let's move on to the second topic, which is really on my mind these days. Uh, I talk about it obsessively. I read about it obsessively because uh, I think it, uh, there's so many ramifications of this story. And then I've discovered that not everybody shares my obsession with this story. Uh, and so I'm constantly encountering people who really don't know what's... <laughs> <laughs> who don't know what's going on. I'm, like, I'm so into it. Uh, and that, of course, is the Northwestern University uh, football hazing scandal, racial prejudice scandal, uh, cover up a potential crime scandal and then ensuing fallout scandal uh, that uh, every day fills the newspapers. Uh, and uh, so, Dixon, like I said, I discovered that not everybody like, shares my passion about this topic and so for instance la uh, last night i was talking to a bunch of baby boomers mm -hmm. uh professional baby boomers uh highly educated baby boomers and i thought for certain 
for certain. I think a couple of them went to Northwestern Law School. Okay, so they're like, I thought, oh, this is my target group. These guys will have been feeding from the trough that I have fed from. They will be able to have a, a really, like, learned discourse with me on this. And to my stunning amazement, they were like, oh, what is happening again? Uh, I'm not really following that one. I'm like, one more indication that I'm in my own little universe, far removed from everybody else. So I explained to them in detail how, like, I do on the show every day. Uh, and then they go, well, send me an article that really sums it up. And I think, Dixon, you may have said that to me today as well when I told you I was going <laughs> to. I think you may have said that. Send me an article that really gets. And you know what, Dixon? Like, when I meet that challenge, it's like, well, there's so many articles. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, this is a scandal that's been going on now for over a week. Every day there's a new revelation. Revelation. There's new lawsuits coming out. Uh, Benjamin Crump was just in town the other day at a press conference. There's eight clients he signed up, getting ready to file suit uh, against Northwestern. It's like trying to keep up with it is hard. One story. You got to send one story that summarizes it. So I have chosen the story I have chosen, and I sent it to you, and I've sent it to many other people. It's mm -hmm. the article in the Daily Northwestern that talked about racial implications of the uh, hazing scandal. Mm. And the fact of the matter is that uh, Northwestern is a largely white university, but the football team has a significant number of black people. And this is, this is like sports at universities throughout there. Go to Notre Dame and they go, if you want to find the black people, go to the gym. That was the saying I always heard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was these bizarre hazing rituals that they go to uh that dealt with race and ethnicity making fun of black people or hispanic people making black people players cut their dreads but the white people get to wear their hair long which is really weird mm. uh double standard there i'm not quite sure why dreads can't be tolerated but long hair can be tolerated so i sent that article to you i don't know if you had a chance to read it but i sent that article to you um and uh I feel that that in many ways that gets at the heart of so many of the issues that are involved here with the strange culture of sports, particularly big time football sports at Northwestern. You've done you've you've been on a track team at high school and college. Is this your sense of what the culture of sports is like with like those strong preying on the weak and people being humiliated? Yeah, man, I feel like, well, I, I ran track at, you know, the greatest, the greatest high school on the planet Earth, the Kenwood Academy High School. Okay, so, you know, it's, I just want to let that be known first before I start. Um, but, you know, I think that, Ben, it feels to me like, based, I'm not as familiar with you are as the story. I think it's obviously it's horrible to just happen to these folks. Um, and it's, I know you'll be able to someone like, yeah, I know that I hope that they get justice. And I know you, all the research you're doing on this, you probably got a book coming or something, but <laughs> I feel like, you know, sports is representative. I think of like, like any institution, I'm sorry, I'm so, so, uh, esoteric today. I'm probably not using that word right, but whatever, like every institution is just reflective of society, right? It's like anytime you have a space where folks, you know, are not, are the minority they find like 
they find their own space or own space is made and then like you know white supremacy is it is still within there and then it prays its head and i think that's kind of what we're seeing here right like folks a university that doesn't have equal access to folks literally in the city right below it right for systemic reasons has all these you know uh men of color in this program right who are being you know verbally hazed and physically abused right like i think it's representative of what happens it's not just a sports thing i feel like right like if you look at i don't know like tv you know any other industry there's going to be othering of black folks and they kind of have their own space and then within that space there are white folks with power or you know folks with power who impose it on them right like it kind of that's how that's how we respond in these structural conditions um so yeah what do you think? You, you're the one that got all the research on it. You got to put me on game. Let me know what's going on. Well, I feel uh, in terms of the racial, uh, I mean, there's so many, there's so many um, aspects to the hazing scandal, not the least of which, ladies and gentlemen, is the Northwestern the powers that be uh, mm-hmm. trying to cover, cover it up and hope to escape by it uh, the way they handle it. And we've talked about this at great length on the show uh, and, uh, to me, I think that's 101 of corporate PR. Uh, I think it's been emulated by the city of Chicago in past the Laquan McDonald case. There's so many parallels between how Northwestern handled the um, uh, the hazing scandal and when it uh, when they first became aware of it, and how Mayor Rahm handled uh, the murder of Laquan McDonald when he knew there was evidence of it and he mm-hmm. buried the evidence, and it was mm-hmm. only a, a lawsuit. Uh, a FOIA lawsuit uh, filed by a couple of activists and a, a Cook County judge's ruling that forced Rom uh, to release that uh, tape. And as soon as he released the tape, all of a sudden it changed the conversation. And Rom released that tape and he was like, oh my God, we're very concerned about how police interact with black people. We have to change the culture. This has been a problem in the city for years and years. Like th- that problem existed before they forced you to release the tape. You knew what was right. on the freaking tape. You didn't, it wasn't a problem until you had to confront it. And that's how, that's the same thing with Northwestern. Like they knew that they, they, they had commissioned a report about the hazing scandal because uh, a whistleblower complained about it. They commissioned a report. The report told them what happened. And then their response was to quietly suspend the coach for two weeks. And then the next day, the Daily Northwestern newspaper reported what was in the report. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, my God, this is outrageous. We have to fire him. Well, why did you fire him? <laughs> what did it take the public knowing about what was in the report for you to fire him? Why were you just why was it OK to have him stay on with just a two week suspension before people knew? But you had to fire him after people knew. And to me, that's like PR. That's like one one of how powerful to use your word, institutions deal with upsetting or damaging news. You follow what I'm saying? They try to manage it and control it and Mm -hmm. avoid dealing with the reality of what the news is saying about their institution. So it can happen again and again and again and again. Right. And, uh, I mean, so, it, go ahead, go ahead. no, no, I think, it, I think you're right, Ben. Like the, the answer is like, as individuals, those folks may not care and they probably don't. Um, and also like systemically they're incentivized to, you know, protect their position within the institution. And I think, you know, there's like another 
piece here that I don't think is relevant in this situation, but in a lot of these situations, the institutions can't do anything about it. <laughs> right. And so people, so they say, okay, well, we can't actually do anything about it. What do we do to look good internally for me to not lose? You know, the goal of these, these football programs isn't necessarily to like enrich the minds of, you know, black and Latinx folks, right? Like this is, this is about making money, right? Like they, they sell these, they sell tickets, you know, they'll go pro, they'll give back to the school or they won't, but the school will get a bigger name. It'll be on TV or it makes money for the system, et cetera. But like, they don't care. So they're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm powerful person X at institution ABC. And like my main goal is I'm trying to stay right where I'm at, bro. I'm living good. I got my car. My son and daughter going to camp. I'm taking, you know, I'm taking my partner out. I got my house because I don't live in, I got my, sorry, my middle class, very, very middle class million dollar home, um, according to the Tribune, right? Like, so, so that's, that I'm comfortable. So, I'm, you know, do I feel bad about this happening? Maybe I do, but I don't really have, you know, capacity ruffling feathers like that, man. So here's what we're going to do. Look, we're going to drop this story Friday. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make sure that, 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 <laughs> you know, that, that you, I'm going to call you into the office, sit you down. I'm like, look, this is terrible. This happened. This isn't going to happen again. We got a new program. We'll do a one hour training on it. That'll happen next year because we got to find the, the right consultant to do it. And, and I want to let you know that coach has been suspended for two weeks without pay. All right. Um, you know, so we're, we're handling it. We're on it. You need to go to the press. Don't worry about it. It's all good. We got you. It's stuff like this doesn't happen in Northwestern or Wildcats, baby, or whatever they are. And then and they walk out the office, and then that's like that's the play, like that's what they do. So I'm not surprised by it. it doesn't make it right. Um, and I'm glad that these uh, individuals are like coming forward with their stories and putting pressure on the university to do something better um, and to get some, hopefully, get some justice. But you know, that's that's the play. They don't really care. And they, yeah. they work in their position, just like the football players did when they was on the field. Uh, yeah, and they're working their position. Uh, and uh, because they don't change it, because they don't really directly address it, uh, they're probably going to have the same problem over and over again. Uh, and uh, so, but at least having it out in the open will stop that, I think. Uh, as to the issue of the difference between, uh, the different attitude between a white player with long hair and a black player with long hair, um, that's a fascinating case study in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have many, many theories about that, but I would love to hear your theories, uh, Dixon. Uh, I think I don't, I'm a cute, I'm so boring today. I mean, I'm sorry, but like they just, it's just the way that other people, like if I can other you by saying like, you know, well, yes, both our hair is long, but yours just coils up a little different. I don't know. I don't know my man, you know, like throwing a little microaggression in there with it, but like, yeah, that's, that's, that's why that's why they do it, right? Um, and it's a it's a thing that takes up like space and and time and energy and makes folks feel uncomfortable in in spaces and makes people feel powerful. Um, so that's what it's all about. And it's total bullshit. Like Northwestern, not that good anyway. So it's not like they, I don't know. It's not like whether you white or black, the players' hair is getting in their way. Like they, they you know, when's the last time they won a championship? Like it's 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 just it's just this is a pure racial exercise in power. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time uh, they won a championship? Well, uh, to answer your question, it would be never. They've never won a championship. Well, wait, wait, wait. Football championship. They've won, I think, the women's lacrosse team uh, is champions. So 
Uh, ben, I got to tell you a secret, though. What's that? I don't watch NCAA's sports because the peers weren't getting paid. Well, I know that now they have access to their likeness, so I, I let it be on in my presence. But before I wasn't watching, they couldn't get paid. I am with you 100% on that. 100. I, I, to me, I go to Northwestern football games maybe two or three times a year to sit with my friends and just chat. I barely even watch the game. But I don't follow football, uh, college football or college basketball even because that's my attitude. <laughs> they're not as good as the pros, so I'm going to watch. Why would I watch someone who's not as good as the pros and they're just getting exploited? And uh, I don't even, by the way, there's another confession. I pretty much stopped watching a high school basketball. Okay. Uh, and they have so diluted high school basketball in the state of Illinois that I just said, that's it. I'm through with it. Four divisions. That's all. I could do a whole show on that. Is that um, that's IHSA or that's um IHSA you're talking about Illinois High School Association like the AAU stuff and all that too. No, oh well that's a whole other game. But so for instance, your your favorite high school, uh you, Kenwood. Uh it's not my favorite, it's the best. You gotta say the best, Ben. You gotta say the best. But Come it's on. also your favorite. Come on, Ben. I need you to say it's the best. Say Kenwood's the best. Mm, First time you could do it. Have you it's the best. Oh, uh, dude, come on, man. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. ETHS, we will fight for you. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, okay, the best high school. Woo! Sound clipping that. I have my fingers crossed. They can't know. see it. They can't see it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, Kenwood is in a different uh, uh, division or league or what have you than Morgan Park, speaking of Cam Buckner. Oh. Uh, and um, why? That makes no sense. It's a, some arbitrary enrollment decision. They all recruit. It's citywide enrollment. They got players coming in from all over the country if necessary. It's ridiculous. It's absurd just to say, well, you're at 400 and you're at the other guys at 450. I don't know what the numbers are in enrollment, but it's absurd. It's just like this arbitrary decision so that when you get to a championship, like Simeon doesn't play Morgan Park or they don't play Kenwood or they don't play Whitney Young. I'm like, well, what's the point? You want to see the best compete for a championship. You've diluted it. And you've also diluted the meaning for, for the, the, uh, the other schools. It's like, well, we're the division one champion. Well, what do you do? You didn't, you didn't. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like, so when I ran, I ran track and cross country in high school and I feel like they broke the divisions up because of the school size. Right. Cause like, that's you know, what I said. Yeah. Yeah. The the access, yeah. So I remember like we would race like uh, the Nequa Valley or whatever. And I'm just like, they, it was like seven buses. I'm like, gee, where did they get all these kids from? Like, this, is, this would be the whole Kenwood. <laughs> but it's only like one school or two schools in a whole area, you know, and they do like hundreds in Chicago. So, okay, I understand the principle that Nequa Valley has many, many more students enrolled than, let's say, Kenwood. Uh, on, on the other hand, you have open enrollment. You effectively can take anybody you want. If you wanted to, if you had a really enterprising coach at Kenwood, uh, he or she could recruit the best runners from Nequa Valley and have them come to Kenwood. And by the way, well, they don't live in the city. They, they, they don't live in. They don't live in the city. You can't go to CPS school if you don't live in the city. 
man, parents and kids and coaches have been getting around that one since Kevin Garnett in 1994. Somehow or other, Kevin Garnett, who spent the first 17 years of his life in uh, South Carolina, had no trouble finding a residence in Chicago so he could go to Farragut, put together a super team. This is before Dixon was born. It was. That, didn't, that did not win the state championship. They always leave that part out. They lost. The Thornwood that year. See, that's when it mattered. Do you get what I'm saying, Dixon? Like, yeah, yeah. it was like, yeah, being a state champ mattered because you had to get through Thornwood. You just couldn't race through the city schools. Yeah, then you had to go deal with Thornwood. Anyway, so I, I, I went on a tangent there that we hadn't planned for. The big ticket. Uh, that's uh, yeah, and just uh, went with it. And, yeah. So anyway, shout out to Kenwood High. Uh, we'll, we'll avoid a Kenwood discussion. Maybe I'll do a whole show. I'll bring a bunch of Kenwood grads on and talk. No, about you should. Ken, Ken, what is it? it? I had a little conversation uh, with this, uh, with uh, Alderman Yancey about this, because he's another Kenwood grad. And he started rattling off all the Kenwood grads who are prominent in Chicago politics. Uh, and I'm uh, like, what is going on with Kenwood High School that so many of their graduates go on to achieve success? in uh in politics do you have any theories on this um uh, we're so close to the water that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> we're so close to the water the windy city the wind just it, it skips over us and goes to the rest of you it doesn't it doesn't stop in kenwood kenwood academy is the greatest building ever built i looked it up historically speaking it's one of the eighth wonders of the world <laughs> um i have no clue i mean i think like you know the, the honest answer is that like it's 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 in a it's in it's uniquely situated in a part of the city that has a nice amount of black folks who have who actually are middle class, not middle, maybe not a home middle class, but um, and because of like the magnet enrollment programs, I think because of the great work that you know principals have been doing over the years, it, it just attracts a, a nice mix of folks. Um, and you know I think High Park's a historically pretty political neighborhood, Tony Perwinkle, Barack Obama, you know, Coco, right? Like all these different community groups or elected officials who've really shaped a lot of stuff in the city. So that's like my real guess. But but my gloating guess would be because it's just, there's something in the water. Yeah. Something in the, besides the lead that we all drink in the city, but there's something else in the water I can wait. Uh it's all it's been in my mind it's been all downhill for Kenwood since they moved that there was that pancake restaurant across the street from Kenwood and then they moved it to 47th Street. It's been all downhill for Kenwood High School ever since they moved that pancake. That was before your time. You didn't even know when the pancake house was across. Yes, I did. It, it was it was there when I went. I was in the academics. I was a uh what they call it, a preppy. I was there. Um I remember Pancake House. You know, there was a pizza restaurant that they had in that spot on that little strip before they made it those Two hundred two thousand dollar a month condos or whatever they <laughs> yeah. are, yeah. Um, apartment. There was a pizza place there that you know. If I see that pizza owner today, we got beef, like real beef. I don't like them. They're rude. I'm just trying to buy a slice, man. Don't do me like this. I don't remember the name of the place, but his that man's face is etched into my heart. I'm like a Neo Montoya and Princess Bride. Like I'm, I'm like every day I'm talking about how I'm gonna find them. Uh, so uh, the but other. Yeah, I the other big cultural issue uh, of the day or the big cultural issue of the day, uh, uh, the two blockbuster movies uh, that are on the screens, everybody's like the great, the, the great debate in America right now. Uh, I'm, <laughs> are you going to see Barbie or are you going to see Oppenheimer? And they're two like completely different types of movies with different subjects, with different. Uh, 
different genres, different styles, just everything about them couldn't be more different. And yet both are highly uh, rated. There's just an urgency to see them uh, throughout the land. Uh, so Dixon Romeo, will you be going to see? I'm, I'm, I'm going RB to see or Oppenheimer to go. But both wrong answer. Both, <laughs> both. I'm tapped in. I got a Barbenheimer shirt. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm going to see them both today, actually, um, at the greatest, at one of the best movie theaters in the city, 87th Street. It's he noticed up. he edited himself because there's a movie theater in Hyde Park and he wanted to get in trouble. So he started to say the greatest and then he just said one of the greatest. Well, no, I say one of the greatest because it's been like three different theaters. So I feel like the or four or five since I've been seven since I've been a kid. The like the third iteration was the best. Uh, like Rocky. So, what, so what is the appeal of Barbie to you? I think so. My senses are probably gonna take a uh, a new kind of feminist look. And I say feminist, not womanist, because you know, womanism includes women of color. But you know, take on the character. It seems like it'll be entertaining and fun. It seems well funded, all the marketing they're doing. So, you know, it's just something to see, something to talk about. If it's good, I'm going to talk about it on Twitter. If it's bad, I will talk about it on Twitter. But either way, my thumbs have something to do after I see it. So that's what I'm thinking. And Oppenheimer? War criminal, but destroyed millions of things. Not good. You know, American imperialism. That being said, I feel like I'm going to see Oppenheimer a second. I like Christopher Nolan movies, but I want to see a second just in case I fall asleep. I could just say I could just say I saw it because I know what happens. Like we dropped a bomb on a whole country, but two bombs, two bombs. Right? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a little tired today, but yeah, I'll see. I mean, the movie will let me know. Yeah, I um, not a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. What was the one? Uh, I forget the name of it. John Gordon Levitt. Remember that one? Oh, uh, Batman. Uh, 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 oh, or Inception. Yeah, Inception. So, I like Inception. That's a good movie. Well, it's, it, there's a generational thing, I believe. I believe that your generation absolutely loved Inception and understood it. It spoke to them in a way uh, that it did not speak to someone like me. I didn't know what was going on. I kept saying, I'm like, what's going on? Who's that guy? What? <laughs> and the millennials are, okay, quiet, right? There's like great things happening here. Now be quiet. And uh, so I was not <laughs> an Inception guy. And then Dunkirk, the, the sound was so bad. The, the, the sound mix was so bad. You know, I couldn't go. Yeah. The sound was bad when Tenet too. And Tenet, I love time travel movies, sci-fi movies. And Tenet, I understand. I understand all the mechanics of the of the plot and the science behind it and the, the like the emotional content. The regular degular plot of the movie sucks. Therefore, the movie sucks. But yeah, he's doing. Christopher Nolan, I feel like he's doing this thing where it's like, why did I? Why did I got to go to a special theater with seventy millimeter IMAX to see your movie? Or I gotta like turn the brightness up on my spirit so I can see the movie because of the the camera you shot it with real film cameras and there's no light. Like, bro, just I just want to see the movie, G. I have to be able to see the movie. I have to be able to hear it, understand what they're saying. They were intended like, and like, why don't people understand the plot? It's like, well, dude, they're talking into the mic. Like, bro, y'all gotta get that together. It's 2023. Sound and movie should be better, not worse. Uh, you gotta get that together. You got to get it together. Yeah, no, Dunkirk, that was the worst. What's going on in this movie? <laughs> a baby boom, right? What's going on? I can't understand anything. 
And then I'm, I'm asking random millennials in the theater, what did he just say? And they're like, man, you can't take this man anywhere. And I, I will, I will see them both too. But having said all that, I will. You got to see them both. I will. But, and also, to the point you made, uh, I have a, a dear friend, El Dragon, who's trying to talk me into going out to Batavia or something, where there's a huge screen. It, a, that's a town in Illinois, Batavia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And uh, they have this thick screen, and no one says you should see it. So my attitude about it is I'm going to go see it on a regular theater, probably in Skokie, my favorite movie theater. And uh, Wait, your favorite and- movie theater is outside the city? Oh yeah, I love. It. Well, my, who are you, Rahm Emanuel? Like you, you, you really live here, man? What are you talking about? I was like, no, yeah, man. I, unlike you, I'm not from Chicago, uh, and uh, I love the Skokie movie theater. They got the best sound, and uh, Skokie movie theater. I'm trying to think. My fa- is, do I have a favorite movie theater in the city of Chicago? Uh, they're all kind of the same. I mean, I like some of those. Not really. What makes uh, a good movie? Th- wait, 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 wait. Now I got, we have, the, let's have a real conversation. What actually makes a good movie theater? Sound, sound, sound. One, two, three. Sound. You, you gave sound. me all the wrong answers. The, what makes a good movie theater are the staff, the people, and is there parking? Those are the three, those are the real three things. Oh. I like seeing movies where people talk during a movie. I want a conversation. I don't like passive media. That's the difference between me and you, Ben. Wait, wait, I'm the one who just got finished saying all the millennials were mad at me because Inception, I'm going, what's going on here? Who is that guy? <laughs> I'm constantly talking in movies. And then millennials are like, dude, could you shut up here? That's because you, you, you go to movie in Stokely. If you went to the movie theater at 87th, you would be, you would be heralded for your, your commentary. Uh, I would be like, what's going on? And you're telling someone would turn around and go, I don't know either. Uh, they were honest. Come on, millennials, be honest. You didn't know what the hell was going on in Inception any more than I did. You just acted like you did. Like when he was walking up and down. You didn't know what was going on when he was walking up and down. He was in the air or whatever. You didn't know. And you didn't know the Matrix either. Don't act like you knew it was in the Matrix. What, the first time I saw it? Yeah, here you go. Yeah. No, no, no. I love, listen, the Matrix, I love the Matrix. I will watch that movie a million times. I know all the lines. I'm going to dress up as Morpheus for Halloween. This, I always say I'm going to do, I've been saying I'm going to do a Halloween costume for five straight years, and I have not done it. So this year, for the whole week of Halloween, I'll be dressing up. So I got three costumes every day. (laughs) Every day I'm catching up, and I'm going to put the year that I should have worn the costume that I'm wearing. And I'm going to tag you when I dress up as Morpheus. Okay, uh, I will definitely have you come on the show uh, in your uh, in your in costume for that one. And we'll we'll definitely put that clip on uh, Instagram. Uh, you in const- costume. Uh, all right, we're going to close with a little Bulls news, something that we share. We're both passionate uh, Bulls fans. Uh, yes. I may be a little more passionate than Dixon, uh, but not much. This man loves his beloved hometown team, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and uh, th- again, thank you, Frank. Just texted me this, and I, I, uh, I just love this. Restricted free agent, guard Io. Sumo has agreed on a three-year, $21 million deal to stay with the Chicago Bulls, his agent said. Yes! Getting some money. Hey, first of all, Io is from Morgan Park High School. He's uh, born and raised in the city of Chicago and played at University of Illinois. Um, And um, so I just, I love that, that there's a Chicago guy on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I was a little sad to see Patrick Beverly go. Uh, The 
last Chicago guy they had in the Bulls. There's a chance. It's a shame. Uh, yeah, Javon Freeman Liberty may be on the Bulls. Go. Your thoughts. I need I need my Patrick Beverly jersey. I mean, the Bulls are, look, what did I say they were going to do last year, Ben? Remember when we talked about where they were going to end up last year? What did I tell you? I think you said they were going to win the championship and you and I would be celebrating in Grand Park together. I think no, I believe that's what you told me. No, no, no. I said they would not make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. And right. you said they did, and they did not make the playoffs. And I have another bold prediction that I will make for you right here today. They might, they will most likely not make the playoffs this year also. the team. Oh, no way. The no team. way. They're making the playoffs this year. By the, they almost made it. They made the play in and then almost beat Miami. No way. The Bulls will make the playoffs. It's not happening. But by the way, I'm going to give, we're going to close. I'm going to give a shout out to me and Dixon. And no, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. You don't want me to tell the story? What? Ha- what's the, oh yeah. You, well, we were no. going to go to a Bulls game together last yeah. year. Uh, but there was a strike that day called by uh, the, um, the vendors inside the Bulls arena who sell you the hot dogs, the drinks, et cetera, and so forth. And the two of us said, we just cannot cross that picket line. Uh, and um, so we didn't go to the game. Uh, and I, I think the Bulls lost that game. It doesn't matter. That's not the point of the story. Soon thereafter, uh, the workers got the deal they wanted. So the next time I went to a Bulls game, I probably went up to every worker, a concession worker. And say, I just want to let you know, concessioners, I did not cross your picket line with Dixon. Okay. And they were like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dixon, as well. You're not with me. I was with my buddy, Norm, who somehow or other was acting like he did something. He wasn't even there that day. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't. I, I don't, we don't cross picket lines around here, baby. We respect working people. All labor has dignity. Management needs to do better still. All management. <laughs> well put. And that's a good place to close it. Thank you very much, uh, Dixon and Romeo. And uh, I'll let you get on with your day, which means going to see two movies, not one, Barbie and Oppenheimer. And then you'll report back. Tell me which one is worth seeing first. And uh, I will do whatever you tell me. All right. You got it. I'm a saluting Ben, y'all, but you got it. <laughs> he saluted me like I was an authority figure. All Thanks right, having then. me on, y'all. That's the great Dixon Romeo. I'm Ben Jarofsky. I also want to thank uh, producer Chris doing an outstanding job. Dixon agrees with you. And I say, hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and a whole lot more great content from the Chicago Reader at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.